wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. This is your host, Fuad Kassab from thefoodblog.com.au, and I have my beautiful co-host, Joe Witten from quirkycooking.com.au. Hi, Joe. Hello. I caught you off guard. With that <laughs> you did. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we've Thank got you. with us today for another episode, uh, my friend Lucy, who did the first episode on sleep with us last week, mm-hmm. or two weeks ago, and she's back to answer some questions and to delve more deeply into the topic. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Fuad. Hi, Joe. How you going? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Um, I think I've had like eight hours sleep. I was very broken, so I'm struggling to get my sentences out. I'm not sure why, Lucy. Does that does it change the way that you speak if you haven't good haven't had good? See, I can't even talk now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think that I think that it definitely can. I think it, it's or, you know your brain might be a bit foggy or something like that, and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my brother's just come back from Germany after five years overseas, and um, him and I are spending a bit more time later in the evening, you know, to sort of hang out and chat a lot. And I've been going to bed much later than I'm used to, and uh, also I'm usually used to like not talking much before going to bed. And now I'm going to bed, and like my mind is still sort of going over yeah. all the conversations. Yeah. <laughs> five years worth of catch up and oh, wow. sleep, but it's been a lot of fun. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, it's good. So. Family reunion. Uh, I'm finding the yeah. full, I'm finding the full moon's keeping me awake. I'm not a werewolf, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just that brightness yeah. in the window. So I've had to close it all up because yeah, it's so bright at the moment. Yeah. yeah well, it is we thought that those kinds of lights didn't really affect sleep quality, but it turns out that they do, don't they? I don't know. I've had a lot of <laughs> friends <laughs> tell me the same thing. What about you, Lucy? What do you think? That. The, the, the moon. moon when it's too bright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like daylight I out I mean, there. There, could de- there could definitely be something to that. I mean, I guess it depends on if it's shining right into your room, into your window. But yeah. then, you know, there's also those other things associated with, with the occurrences during the full moon anyway. So, That's true. Who, you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, just starting to scratch the surface of this stuff. But um, Lucy, um, we're going to uh, focus this week on gut health, but we'd love to sort of have a bit of a recap about what we spoke about in the previous podcast, just in case people are listening in for the first time on episode two about sleep. So can you give us a bit of a background about what we spoke about about last time? Sure. So last time, one of the, the main things that we touched on was uh that our circadian rhythm, so our internal body clocks and how they can be um, affecting sleep um, and in turn um, the impact of technology on sleep. And so um, how that relates to the circadian rhythms is what I mentioned last time was um, as humans um, in a historical sense, uh, you know, we evolved with the light and dark cycles of the sun and the moon. Um, and the body also evolved to respond to different frequencies of light. So that would be the orange and the yellow spectrum of light, so the, the sun and the moon, um, the starlight, the candlelight, um, and then uh, and then the, the blue light from technology. So basically a lot of our screens that we have uh, in our lives these days actually emit uh, the, 
light from the blue frequency. And what we've learned now is that has an impact on um, the nerve pathway in the brain that basically recognises that blue light as an artificial type of sun. So when we have, um, you know, when we, we're on our screens so close to bedtime, our bodies are uh, sort of artificially being tricked into uh, being or thinking that it's daytime when it's actually nighttime. Um, and that's, I think that's quite, it's a common thing, I think, for, for most of us these days in, in, in the Western world. And so it can, those types of things can definitely have an impact on, on sleep quality. Uh, we also talked about uh, creating a sleep practice, so different strategies that, you know, you guys could, could implement uh, and take away to, to try, you know, today. And I think at the end of the, of the last show, we also mentioned that, um, you know, I could talk a little bit about gut health as it relates to sleep today. So, oh, fantastic. Um, so th this yeah. is really the, the topic that we are uh, very keen to get into. Mm. Um, one of the things that, you know, we want to clarify is, is there a relationship between gut health and sleep? And is it, is it that gut health affects sleep or is it the other way around that sleep affects, affects gut health? So what are, what are your thoughts on that, Lucy? Yeah, so I think what I'll, I'll do first is I'll set the stage a little bit on, on gut health and, you know, as it can relate to sleep, and then we can discuss that further if you guys like. So okay. uh, the first thing to, that many of you would know um, is that, you know, there's a very close relationship between the gut and the brain. So the gut is quite commonly known as the second brain. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, there are many neurotransmitters and hormones involved in the sleep pathway that are located both in the gut and the brain. So basically, the state of our gut health as well as, as our brain health can have an impact on our sleep. Um, there, are, there are many, I mean, in addition to the neurotransmitters in the sleep pathway, there are actually a lot of neurotransmitters, other types of neurotransmitters and hormones found both in the gut and the brain as well. Um, and then the the gut also consists of hundreds of millions of, of nerve cells. So there's there's something called the enteric nervous system, which is basically the nervous system found inside your gut. So enteric just meaning within the intestine or within the gut. Um, and then uh, I think a lot of you guys probably also know that our um, our neurotransmitter serotonin, which is involved in the sleep pathway uh, and is the, the precursor to, to the sleep hormone melatonin, that's also produced in the gut as well. So you can imagine that if, you know, your gut health, there, there's an impairment there or something like that, that the, this kind of production of, say, serotonin, which converts into melatonin, which, which gets us ready for sleep, um, can, can have, there can be an impact there. Yeah. Um, and then something really interesting that I've actually learned quite recently is that it's actually been found that there's, about 400 times more melatonin produced in the gut than in the pineal gland in the brain, which is, mm. you know, something that, that we've sort of been we've been told the opposite of, that, yeah. you know, we it's always melatonin is produced in the brain in the pineal gland. So, yeah, there's actually a lot more of it in, in the gut. Um, and I think... <laughs> Those birds are so beautiful, by the way. <laughs> yeah, sorry, everyone. I'm not really sorry. No. Just, I have this um, big open dining room with big windows and we just have all these birds all around in the trees. It's so lovely. 
So that's what you're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think like a really important to part to mention is, is about the microbiome. So mm. you guys would also know that that just basically uh, explains the, the bacteria and the microorganisms that, you know, inhabit our bodies and that are on our skin and in our mouths and, and most predominantly in our guts. Mm. Um, and so we're actually, you know, 10 times more bacterial cells than we are human cells. And what has also been found by some uh, researchers in UCLA is that there are trillions of bacteria in our guts that are continuously communicating with that enteric nervous system and, and that certain bacteria play a role in, in the uh, production of serotonin. So all of this kind of, I guess, highlights just how important mm. gut health is for yeah. the regulation of, of a healthy sleep cycle because if your gut health and your microbiome are out of balance, uh, your serotonin and your melatonin production, they're going to be affected and those are two of the most important compounds for sleep. So... Yeah, that's it. That's It'll, it. A bit of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, doesn't gut and, health also affect adrenal function, and that's all in, connected with the sleep as well? Or no? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. It's look. There's the, the thing. The thing is, is that everything is so interconnected. Uh, interconnected. <laughs> mm. Interconnected. That one thing affects the other thing, and then there's it's a cascade of, of this and that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So. So definitely, uh, yeah, definitely, because, I mean, you know, your your cortisol is secreted from your adrenal glands and then cortisol has uh, an effect on sleep as well if it's high at the wrong times, like right. if it's high in the evening, it's supposed to be lower and, you know, maybe if you do have some kind of adrenal fatigue, that can definitely impact on, on sleep as well. And it goes both ways, doesn't it? So. Not, yes. getting, not getting not getting sleep it, at the right times can affect your adrenal pat, um, health. Um, and not enough. It sleep. sounds like a like a vicious circle, yeah. though, doesn't it? Like, how do you get how out of it? Out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it is a vicious circle, and I think that probably really also highlights that we need to do as much as we can of what you guys are promoting, yeah. and that's you know gut health is that's so important. So whether it's through mm. yeah everything. You know, and I think we've, we're, you know, we've we've heard as well that Hippocrates, that the, you know, those many, many, many years ago said that mm. all disease begins in the gut. That mm. that's what we're really, really learning these days, and you're hearing about it, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Um, and whether that's through food, um, other lifestyle practices, and especially sleep as well, um, it, I think everything has an effect on on the state of our gut and what's happening. Mm. Um, with with our gut bacteria and you know it, it, they they can affect our mood which can also you know affect stress and anxiety and and it's what yeah as which you is said, gigantic it's a vicious cycle it's like yeah for sleep i mean i think for me it's always been stress has always been the biggest one to interrupt sleep if, if anything's going to interrupt it it's if i'm stressed and i think that's probably yeah. Yeah. what it is for my for most people, I think that's where it would begin. Um, you know, you get the... Well, stress, stress management, you mean? Or where, yeah, well, it could be. Begin? What I mean, the, the problems with sleep a lot of times um, starts with stress. It can be just over over busyness and overwhelmed and your, your brain's too full and it can't switch off or it could be 
you're anxious about something or it could be that you're depressed about something or you've had some terrible thing that's happened that you can't, you know, you can't get through for a while and that affects your sleep. There's so many people that I talk to with problems with anxiety and I know it can partly be related to gut health but it can also be things that they're just working through. Um, But, yeah, that's – but then, like you say, it is a vicious circle. Um, so working well, on sleep for, helps. for sure, like eating the, the wrong kind of food will definitely mm. affect your anxiety level. So yes. if you have moderate anxiety, it will be exasperated by ro- the wrong food. Yeah. So what I found personally is when I started eating better, my mood improved. Yes, and same. then I started being able to go to bed and consistently stay asleep for longer. Yeah. And then I'd wake up the next day and I was able to make better choices because I slept better. Exactly, so, yeah. That reinforced the good eating habits, which further alleviated my mood and then made my sleep better, which then again started fixing it. So it's, it's, so it's sort taking of you up out of the spiral. Yeah, yeah that's mm. right. Yeah. So it, it was just uh, a really wonderful thing to just, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. you know, you work on, you work on both. You, like, yeah, that's what I've right. felt. But they also start complementing each other. Like mm. when one starts getting better, the other one starts improving as well as a side effect to it. I just um, have just, to ask. Gotta, okay, go. Yeah. I was just going to ask Lucy, I just have to ask you, Lucy, um, what you think about coffee, because so many people ask that. (laughs) Yes, yes. Should I be drinking coffee? Yeah, that's something (laughs) I wanted to say last time too, because Fuad, you gave an example of, you said that sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll sleep through the night and it'll be fine and then other times you might kind of wake up or you're a little bit restless and you're not really sure if it's related to something in your lifestyle and so yes. that was one of the other things that I wanted to mention was um, I think caffeine can be fine for some people depending yeah. on the state of their health and obviously the quality of, of where you're going to get that from, the quality of your coffee. And also genetics. Uh, and yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, genetics. My, yeah. my son had his gene testing done and he's never wanted coffee. He's, he's 17 and um, he's always drunk tea and it's decaf. And um, it was really funny yes. when his genetic testing came back, they said he cannot handle caffeine, don't give him coffee. And I was like, well, that's funny because he already doesn't want it. His body already that's told him that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I know people like that as well. Yeah. And so there, there definitely is that genetic factor and I think there's also, um, like you mentioned before, Joe, if someone's got adrenal fatigue or, mm. or something like that in terms yeah. of their health, then it's probably not the best thing. But um, if you're someone that, you know, you don't maybe have too much trouble with sleep um, or if or if you do, of course, uh, I think keeping it to earlier in the day. Yes, that's what I find. Um, if I have one after yeah. lunch, that's it for me. <laughs> Can't sleep. Yes, definitely. I'm the same. So I don't drink a lot of coffee, but when no. I do, um, I have to definitely have it before midday because my sleep will definitely be affected that in the evening. And, and that, there can be a few things going on with that. So caffeine is a nervous system stimulant so your nervous system can be ramped up for up to you know hours upon hours and depending on again like if you've got a genetic um you know it's you're sensitive to that or or something like that uh it can remain in your body so different people will have it remain in their body for different periods of time and have it sort of stimulate them for for different amounts of time too so i think there's a place for it yeah i was working in the off in an office like as an IT guy, like years ago, and I remember, like I used to drink a lot of coffee. I used to maybe have three or four a day, mm-hmm. and um, since I've sort of changed the way that I live and I work from home and uh, I get more sunshine and um, things like that, 
what I found is I can go, like I can wake up in the morning and sometimes have a coffee. Like often I will have a coffee, but I can definitely skip it without a problem. Um, and then what would happen is I wouldn't crave it all day long afterwards. But if I did somehow go out for a coffee with a friend or something, let's say at one o'clock and I had a coffee then, then no way will I be able to sleep. And yeah. I find that there's something about like having a stressful life where like if you're if you're really stressed and you sort of are craving caffeine at you know frequent times during the day, then there's something that's happening that you know you're not addressing. Like mm. the caffeine is sort of being used to actually prop you know you uh, just pull, yeah yeah prop you up and yeah. and it's uh, it's really worth looking at like trying to see how much caffeine you're craving during the day and trying to sort of work on your sleep and your healing because you find that you know the needs for caffeine goes down yeah. and also you start seeing the detrimental effects of it as well if you're having too much of it and too late during the day i think that's a really good point that's- because I, I find when i'm eating well and i'm really healthy I don't crave it at all. I just now and then I'll have one just for the flavor, but it's not because I'm craving it. And the same with chocolate because I know I joke about chocolate and post about it on my Facebook a lot and stuff and people think I eat it all the time, but I actually, I don't eat it. (laughs) And it's it's just something that is like a fun flavor to me. It's not something I have to have a block of every day. Let's not say that you don't eat it hardly at all. You eat a lot of chocolate. Oh, right. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't had any for a few weeks, actually. <laughs> yeah, when I when I say Joe, how how are you doing? She says I'm I'm sad today. I'm I haven't like, got any chocolate. Yeah, that's because chocolate. I'm I'm, on, I'm doing a rerun of Gaps intro, so I'm not having any cocoa, cacao, <laughs> coffee, <Yeah>. caffeine. <laughs> I think I think when you're restricted uh, by it, you probably feel it like you're just not having it at all. I'm not actually. You know, like when when you, yeah it's yeah it's funny though. But yeah, it's it's just a, it's just something that everybody loves, I think, and so, you know, you have a joke about it. But yeah, I've never been the type that could sit down and eat a whole heap of chocolate at once. That would make me ill. <laughs> anyway, same sorry, here. So. Got off the subject there. <laughs> yeah, we digress. <laughs> Phil, I didn't believe me, but. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lucy, we've got a, a bunch of questions from our listeners. Um, uh, we'd love to go through. Sorry. We've got heaps, but we'll just have to do some. Oh, heaps. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We've uh, hand-picked uh, a few of them that um, will go well with the gut health episode. Um, one person, uh, Rochelle, was asking about you, the gut-sleep connection, which we've already covered, but she wants to know a little bit more about your mercury detox. So can we have a chat about what happened with the mercury detox for you and uh, if you can give us some background there and how that dealing with that has affected sleep for you? Mm. Sure, sure. Um, I might just briefly talk about uh, heavy, just a brief thing about heavy metals and my experience with them, and then I'll relate it back to my sleep. So, um, well, I mean, what I learned through the functional medicine doctor that I'm working with and just through my own research as well is that, um, you know, toxicity in, in different heavy metals, um, mine in particular was mercury um, and arsenic, and I think mercury is one of the, the mitochondrial poisons and, and so are many um, of the other ones. So um, basically, you know, they can have all sorts of physiological impact on our bodies. So whether it's impairing the immune system, um, you know, and, and mercury actually specifically can build up in your system and affect uh, every cell in your body as, as far as I've um, I've researched. So, and then there's other uh, 
things that it can do. So it can cause fatigue and impair your, your liver detoxification. And um, in some cases, it's been linked to anxiety and depression and, and, and other things like that too. So there's a bit of a relation back there to the gut as well, like it's all kind of intricately linked, as we mentioned. Mm. Um, there's also, there is all the, also the issue of how well your body can actually detoxify those metals because in, in modern life these days, I mean, we're all exposed to so many different types of metals without even probably really knowing it, whether it's in the air or it's in food or it's some other environmental way. So um, how well our bodies can actually get rid of those is, is another story. And so basically something interesting that I that I found um, when working with, with my doctor is that um, through all the different functional testings that, that I that I've done, um, it turns out that it looks as though my body is uh, defective in the, the gene that's actually responsible for clearing mercury out of the body. So basically what that then means is that because my body can't get rid of it efficiently and effectively, it, it you know, built up in my liver and then it, what ends up happening is it causes, causes a cascade of effects. Um, as we mentioned before, so whether that's through just different organ systems of the body, uh, impairing gut health, impairing brain health and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, due to the, the close relationship of sleep to gut health and brain health, as we mentioned before, uh, definitely heavy metals can, can most certainly be a contributor to, to sleep issues. So what I found over time now is like I've been doing the protocol with my doctor for about a year or so. And slowly, slowly, uh, as I've uh, been going through the protocol, I have found improvements in, in my sleep. So where I was waking up before at 3 a.m. and sometimes even 2 a.m. every night, I'm able to sleep a little bit longer, which is great. Mm. Uh, it's not completely uninterrupted and I'm not feeling, you know, completely refreshed when I wake up yet, but it's definitely, definitely improved. Uh, and... What is the protocol that you do? Yeah. Did you? Well, so the, it's basically a very specific supplement protocol oh, right. that involves, okay. yeah, so it involves uh, a few different types of supplements that are targeted towards either binding um, and mobilising the metals out of the system and just removing them. Yeah. Um, and then as well as because of the cascade of effects that it's had in other uh, functions of my body, I've had to kind of, um, the doctors recommended me different types of other nutrient supplements as well to support, you know, whether it's brain health, gut health, mitochondrial function. Um, yeah, and just lots of different nutrient support. And so that's for, that's something that kind of all these these things are sort of a, a work in progress yeah. over time so it's not something that can be corrected you know in a few weeks yeah, or right. or even a few months it's something that sort of happens over time so mm. do you yeah is this like a biomedical doctor or what kind of yes medicine? a functional yeah. medicine functional doctor medicine. so yeah okay. so yeah if anyone's yeah. wondering where to find one of those if you go onto the mind website m-i-n-d-d they have um functional medicine practitioners listed on there so i think a few people will ask about that I did have one lady, can I just quickly ask you, she said that her little boy is struggling with um, detoxing and she's doing GAPS yes. and um, he's started 
waking again in the night. He's four and he, as his body is detoxing, his sleep is getting worse. Does that often happen? Like, does it get worse before it gets better when you're detoxing? I think, well, that's going to be an individual thing as well. But I mm. think what I can say to that is that, uh, you know, like when our bodies are, are pulling out, uh, you know, toxins and, you know, constantly clearing these things, I think this, in the same way that, uh, you know, when you're doing, whether it's any kind of detox you, you, or, or changing even the way you eat, Mm. You can feel a lot worse before you you, you can yes. feel better, and that's right. that build up of, time. yeah, exactly. And that build up of toxins um, is probably for for this particular child, you know, is is really impacting him. Whereas mm. then maybe others might not have the same the same issue. It might not be a problem at all. Yeah. I know that when I was when I started doing my detox and I was um, researching the different types of things that were recommended for me, I saw a whole lot of reviews on people saying, oh, this particular thing that I was using, it, I, you know, I felt really ill and, you know, it's very, very potent, so be careful and, and that kind of thing. But I found for me I didn't feel I felt fine. I didn't get any kind of weird symptoms or yep. headaches or I guess it depends how like toxic that. you yeah. are, does it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's what I would, would um, say to that, yes. Okay. Um, but it's, it is hard to say, yeah. again, specifically too because there's a lot of reasons. As with sleep in general, there's a lot of reasons why someone wouldn't would have sleep issues or, or you know, depending on what's yeah. going on overall. Yeah. It's like Phil had said before, you just work on all the things that you can at once and, you know. Definitely. We've got another question from Sally who says, I would please love to know why I wake up every morning at 3 a.m. and that's it for the night. Yes. Well, that's something, that's exactly what happened to me about four years ago. And um, the thing about that is, again, depending on the individual, um, there are so many different reasons why someone could be doing that. There's so many different reasons why someone could be having sleep issues. But I I guess... Um, you know, I could I could go over a few things that would could possibly be something to look into and and further um, discuss or, or research that I kind of found while I was researching and going through all this. So there's a few different things. So parasites is something that could be mm. worth looking into. So whether doing a a stool test with a naturopath or a, a functional medicine doctor, because quite often um, if if you're someone where parasites has taken over your gut. Um, parasites actually they're awake at night yeah. they come awake at night and, and especially so especially at the full that's moon something. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so that's definitely something that um that that can be the issue for some people um another another one that uh comes to mind is so inverted cortisol rhythm so what i mean by that is when we're going to sleep in the evening our cortisol shouldn't be too high because, uh, you know, that, that's something that can keep us awake. And in the morning, usually our cortisol is a little bit higher so that we can, you know, for wakefulness and we can get through the day. And if you've got like an inverse uh, rhythm in that, so maybe a bit too high in the evening or um, a bit too low in the morning, that's something that can potentially sort of have your circadian rhythm disrupted and, and your internal body clock thrown off and therefore you're waking at, you know, maybe too earlier than you should be. 
Um, so that's something. And then in relation to that, um, so something that I have learned through traditional Chinese medicine is that they talk about uh, so there's different times of the the evening that correspond to different organ systems of the body and that the 3 a.m. is correlated with the liver mm. and that may mean for a specific person that possibly there's some liver detoxification issues or there's something happening within the liver at that time. But, again, that's a very individual thing as well. Mm. Other things that... Uh, I could be related as well as electromagnetic radiation. So, for example, if sorry, there's a bit of I think interruption in the background. Um, so, electromagnetic magnetic radiation. So that could be anything from uh, you know wireless devices in the house, um, mobile phones. Uh, computers, things like that. So those kinds of things, depending on the person, can also interrupt uh, the functioning, the proper functioning of, of our bodies and then therefore for some people can, can wake them up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's probably one that um, that's going to be definitely very individual as well. And then um, just like we talked about before, so stress as well, mm. stress quite often whether it's emotional but it could even be something environmental or, or some kind of chemical stress that that can be something that uh, can, can impact sleep and cause people to wake up in the middle of the night as well but I think so, yeah. yeah sorry I was thinking, wondering with regards to someone like Sally would she start off with like approaching the lifestyle things first would she go and um, turn the router off before going to bed and all the artificial light and things like that or do you recommend if so this has been happening consistently say at 3 a.m all the time that she's asked getting tested for heavy metals and parasites and things like that what would how would you approach it i think the first thing would be is that as you mentioned it's got to be the the food and the lifestyle factors first so because, because again, also something that I haven't mentioned yet is that there could be even if you've got a food sensitivity, there's certain foods that you're eating, um, maybe you're, you're not eating as, as clean as possible, that's also something that can contribute as well. So I think getting your food uh, in, in check is really, really important. Obviously, movement throughout the day and, and, and you know, other, other types of lifestyle factors. Definitely, if you've got to, you've got to go those first. But if you, if you still find that there's something going on and you keep on waking up, then it probably is a good idea to maybe try and get some, some testing through a, a naturopath mm. or, or a functional medicine doctor. Because I found that when I, when I started waking up at that time um, those years ago, I had so many things in order. So the food, the movement, you know, spending time out in nature and, and going to sleep at, uh, you know, that's probably the other thing is that going to sleep uh, in time as well. So, so getting enough um, sleep before midnight. So whether it's maybe if you, if you can sort of, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but sleep timing is very important as well. So, uh, you know, ideally we would be going to bed, say around 9 or 10 p.m., but of course that's going to be different for different people's lifestyles but that's really something to look at as well so the timing that you're going to sleep uh, and if you if you feel like you yeah you 
really can't figure it out, then I think working with someone that's got a bit more experience would, would be a good place to go. Have you ever been to a sleep, um, what do they call them? They're like a specialist. Clinics or something? Um, yeah. I, I listened to one just recently on a gut health summit and I've forgotten what the name of the um, the job is. <laughs> um, it's like a doctor that specialises in sleep. Do you mean like if you were to go to a sleep centre and they were to to observe how? I'm not sure. I think he's an actual, like he's a specialist that you go to okay. and um, he does the sleep, he checks all your sleep patterns. And Anyway, he was speaking on a gut health summit recently. I'll have to look up his name, but I can't remember. Okay, no, that's we, we a good one. I mean, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually haven't. Um, hmm. But that's, for some people I, I that may be an option, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I heard of this. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, Lucy, a question that's sort of um, it's come from a few different people, so I'll sort of put it in one. But uh, like we've got uh, Brooke and Alison, they've asked about foods to eat or not to eat before bed, and Alison in particular wanted to know a bit about carbs and sleep. And also from me, like to add to that is not only what type of food to eat before sleep, but also food is food timing, like and uh, when when you should eat. Can you talk to us a bit yes. about that? Yeah. So firstly, if, if, if it's possible, it's best to try and, and actually eat a couple of hours before bedtime simply because our bodies are running on uh, circadian rhythm timing. So there's digestive pros, processes that are influenced by this and we don't want our bodies to kind of be working too hard to digest our food if we're eating so close to bedtime because there's so many other processes that need to, to happen while we're sleeping. And uh, in order to, to maximise our body's ability for restful sleep, um, yeah, eat, not eating too close to bedtime would, would be helpful. But um, however, you know, it depends on the person's lifestyle as well. Um, so sometimes maybe, you know, it might be difficult to not sort of have that gap and you might just have to, to have something to eat and go to sleep and get up for work. So if you are someone that needs a, maybe a snack closer to bedtime, something that will keep your blood sugar stable and won't be too difficult to digest. Um, could be something like maybe some some handfuls of nuts, um, as the healthy fats are they're, they're not going to put on. Uh, sorry, they're not going to spike your blood sugar, and, and they're also quite good um, as a brain food. So something like that would be okay as a snack. Um, foods to avoid is probably going to be a really big thing as well, uh, especially before bed, because certain things like refined sugar and gluten containing products those can actually cause a blood sugar spike and then mm. a crash and if your blood sugar drops too low in the, in the middle of the night that can wake you up so that's something to be mindful of as well uh, and then another thought is that there's actually quite a few health professionals promoting saving your whole food carbohydrate sources until the evening at dinner so whether that's sweet potatoes or pumpkin or, or potatoes or, or whatever you like um, and inst instead of earlier in the day and that's for the main relation in uh, uh, sorry the main reason as it relates to sleep is that the carbohydrates influence the release of, of the neurotransmitter serotonin which as we learnt before is in the sleep pathway and and, and is the precursor to melatonin that, that helps us sleep so that there's yeah, and I've actually experimented with that um, for me and I've, I've found that it does kind of help you 
um, I don't know, you, you sort of feel a little bit more sleepy and, and, and it does help. So I think carbs in the evening, as, as what was asked before, is, yeah, is, it can be a good thing, but it's going to definitely be the quality of the carbohydrate. So it's not just going to be any carbohydrate source. I've also I found personally with uh, sweet potatoes, like I, I used to do uh, like some serious low carbing back in the day when I was regaining my health and I was suffering from being pre-diabetic and uh, all that. And after a while of being low carb for a long time, um, I found that adding a sweet potato, but mixing it with, with something like cinnamon and uh, coconut oil or butter, which sort of like doesn't doesn't spike your insulin as high, um, sort of levels out the sugar and slows down the digestion. I found that helped massively with sleep and also, um, yeah, like it, it helped me relax more at night. So that was really beneficial. Um, but that's that was when I was sort of seriously low carbing and just adding that carb back in was really helpful. But um, uh, if someone is uh, eating carbohydrates, like, is it, do you think like they can have like their sourdough or their grains or something like that? Or should they just stick to like a root vegetable or uh, what, what's the, what should they what kind of carbs? do for the, yeah. Mm. Uh, I would, I would probably strongly recommend starting with things if you can that are, are, are gluten-free uh so as you mentioned sweet potatoes pumpkin potatoes i would i would think that i would favor those mm. for sure because i think it, but but then having said that i guess it will also depend on the person as well so if someone you know really can't tolerate something like that then then obviously that might not be a good option for them but i think it might be a matter of maybe just just trialing that, like if, if you do like you do do okay on a rice sourdough and you do that, save that for the evening instead of having that early in the day, then, yeah, it might be something to, to, to just try and see how you go. I've heard bananas that's, are that's, good before sleeping. It might be. Yeah, I mean, fruit, fruit as well, yeah, for it's sure. It's potassium for and sure. stuff, isn't it, magnesium? Yeah. And... Yes, yes. I think bananas and, and other types of fruits would be okay as well. Bananas with cinnamon, apparently. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the spices, like their their purpose is to sort of slow down the digestion of the starch. Ah, the, when is that you what eat it them, is? Yeah. yeah, they they just like they go through your uh, intestines much more slowly, yeah. and um, yeah, they lower the glycemic index of food just um, just through, through the way that they get mixed in. So that's why if you add a Usually, there's three types of things that people would add, and that would be like in traditional cultures, they add them in anything. Like, mm. let's say, something like uh, rice, and in the Middle East, we always cook it with fat. Yeah. Uh, in in Asia, for instance, you look at sushi rice, and that's um, you add vinegar yeah. into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, the reason why they would do that is to lower the glycemic index. I mean, of course, it had culinary uses as well. It tastes better. Uh, but they would never sort of just cook it and just eat it like that with nothing else because it would just create too high a, a, mm. a sugar. So that's the vinegar or any kind of and acid. And in Mexico, is really it's um, the beans with the rice. Yeah, that's that's even more carbs. That's that's crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> but they, but, but they do go with a, a lot of pork fat as well, so that's they'll true. they'll use a lot, yeah in their stews. So there'll be a lot of fat in there as well. I mean, like all cultures have been in rice dishes mostly. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, 
Yeah, that's that's quite common, especially you know you come from the Middle East all the way through to Europe and mm. in the Americas. Um, but so yeah, there's that, and of course the spices as they get added into the dishes, they sort of bulk it out and uh, lower the glycemic index. So that's really good. It kind of gives you that kind of sustained energy release throughout the night, and uh, just helps so that your uh, cortisol doesn't act up as much. Um, it's, it's quite helpful. So if people are trying to low carb too much, that's a that's a good tip for them, I think. Mm. Um, okay, shift work. Uh, we'll, we'll go on to the last topic here, which is shift work, and we have um, Drana or Drana. I'm not really sure how to say it. Um, is asking how can shift workers improve their sleep, particularly when on rotating rosters and aren't able to have a sleep routine? And Desiree is asking, I'm interested in suggestions to support the change from night shift to normal sleeping hours for someone on permanent night shift. Yes. Okay. Uh, if you really can't avoid night shift, then um, I think the, f- the most important thing to say is it's going to be even more important to stay on top of your nutrition and your movement and your stress and, and your sleep and your other lifestyle factors. It's going to be even more important because adding that stress of, sleep deprivation especially on top of say mismatch in circadian rhythms when you're having to to work that night shift that can yeah really impact health so things uh that uh might help with that so sticking to a regular schedule even if it is inverted to the natural cycles of of light and the dark um, at at least so that your body has a regular time routine that's going to be really really important so so if you can sort of try and, and do the same the same things at the same times each day, um, so whether that's eating at the same time and, and, and going to sleep at the same time, your body will, will have that, that routine. Um, and then also we, so since we spoke previously about our bodies responding to the light and the dark cycles of the sun and the moon, even though you can't exactly change these things while, you know, while you're working on night shift, what you can do is is make some adjustments um, in your life to, to readjust your body to, to the light and the dark rhythms to help with your sleep. So, for example, uh, if you're working overnight, maybe if you can, like being exposed to, to lights at work can actually help signal your body that it's, that it's your specific daytime and then when you come home and you're going to sleep, keep, keeping your room dark and blacked out will also be helpful as well so that kind of emulates your bot to your body that it that it is nighttime and uh i think if you know there's actually a couple of really good articles that i've seen in regards to to night shift um and we can put that in in the notes if you like but there's the nom nom paleo website she's got a really good article called surviving the night shift and she did night shift for about 12 years i think it was and so she kind of had a lot of of uh, things that she's implemented and, and that's helped her. And then and then there's also on Mark's Daily Apple is another a good article there as well. But I think those, yeah, those things are the main really, really important things you can do if you really can't change. Um, yeah, these are great sources because um, both those websites sort of write these articles in a way that is really approachable and for the common man like us. So uh, it's not highly scientific or technical and usually quite practical. And it'll go a long way into educating yourself because they do break down the science in a way that's easy to digest for us. Um, definitely, yeah, recommend looking at those two websites. I really like them. 
Exactly. I'll just quickly mention I found the name of that guy that I was um, talking about, the sleep specialist, Dr. Cunnington. He's in Melbourne. He, okay. he runs a sleep disorders centre. And his, okay. website, oh, wow. yeah, his website is Sleep Hub. Sleep Hub. Okay, cool. great. Yeah. Lucy might be going to Melbourne then next week. She'll phone back in to, got, to report a, on the progress. He's actually got a podcast and YouTube and all sorts of stuff, so there might be some interesting wanna, stuff on there as well. Okay, I'll have to get, check that out. Yeah. yeah. We should get so, Lucy and him on the same podcast yeah, so she, Lucy can, can drill him with all the questions. <laughs> yeah, that that's right. Done. There you go. Free, free um, <laughs> consultation. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> did did you want did you want me to mention the name of my doctor sure. in case because I know there's yeah. people, people that ask. are interested in yeah. yeah in heavy metal. So I'm working with uh, Dr. Bruce Jones and he's based in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just consult with him through Skype and mm-hmm. I actually found him through listening to a couple of different podcasts, uh, American podcasts, and he was talking about heavy metals and he's that's one of his specialties. And so mm. he um, he's really, really helped me. So his uh, website, I can't remember the exact address, but it's Peninsula, Peninsula Clinical Nutrition, and that's Dr. Bruce Jones. So he's been really helpful. If you want to um, give us the link too, we can put those in the yes. notes. Yeah. It's peninsulanutrition.com.au. Okay. Okay. So I got it. Cool. Looks like a happy guy. She's great. Great. He is. (laughs) He sleeps well, that's why. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. Did you have any any further questions for Um, for Lucy or did you have any more there written down to answer Lucy? I can't I haven't got the list in front of me, sorry. We've gone, we've gone through it. Oh so, good, well um, done. Yeah. Um there was a I noticed there was a lot of questions about babies and small children sleep, but I feel like that's a whole that's even another podcast. We could maybe do a podcast with Mary on that. That yeah. would be good too, because that's sort of related to um, you know, a lot of it is is stuff that mums just need to work through with babies. Yeah, very much a, a uh, an obligatory uh, mode of living for a while. Yeah, <laughs> you just it, is. it is. It yeah, is. And I I used to actually counsel mums for about ten years on all that stuff. So I'd, I'd love to do a podcast on it. So. Awesome. Yeah. Sleep training. Cool. All right. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for uh, coming back on the show, and um, hopefully, we'll get you back again as your story continues to progress and we learn a bit about um, what's going on with you and you see more results. We'd love to share those with our listeners. So, thank you so much for coming back on the show with us. Thanks, Lucy. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Fuad. You've been very patient with Uh, us swapping times around. Uh, it's no it's no problem at all absolutely um is it okay if i is it okay if i just say one last thing sure sure yeah um so i just firstly i just wanted to say thank you both so much for having me on the podcast it's actually been like a a, a real pleasure and a a privilege and you know i I really really appreciate it so thank you um and i yeah and i and i guess i also just wanted to say um if anyone hasn't listened to Fuad's interview on Up for a Chat, um, I, highly, I highly recommend that you do because it is a really, really interesting conversation. And I and I just wanted to say that you know, Fuad, you're you're someone that I think is, you know, you're you're authentic and and you're just you're speaking your truth and you're out there and 
you know, you're, you're doing your thing and, you know, you've got, you've got the world at your feet at the moment. And I think that, you know, you're going to, you're doing really, really great things out there. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of you. And, you know, it's, it's really great to call you a friend. And so I just wanted to say that and, and, and Joe, Joe to you as well. I just wanted to say as well. So, um, you know, I, I, we obviously haven't, uh, you know, spent so much time together, but I can, just by the interactions that we've had with each other, I can see that, you know, you're such a, a kind, beautiful soul and, you know, you're doing amazing things out there in the world as well. And, you know, I look up to both you guys and, you know, thank you for everything that you guys do. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. This is, uh, yeah, this is, this is the way the world works. You know, like Joe dragged me into this world and <laughs> just because of the, her amazing energy and the love that she has to, to share with people and bring wellness and health to them. And um, it's just wonderful to be able to share this with you and have you share your message. And um, yeah, so really we, we love it. This is the kind of stuff that we love doing. Um, and who would complain about doing something like this for a living? It's the best thing ever, you know, so yeah, I was just, it's just a, a privilege to us. I was just thinking before, uh, what I really love is when we get people on the podcast that are not, you know, they're not celebrities, they're not well-known people, but they're just making such a difference in their, you know, where they are, they're doing something about their health, they're helping others and nobody may know, not very many people may know their name, but I just love getting them on the podcast and hearing their stories. And when I'm traveling, um, I often meet like mums with kids that are at home and they're just doing amazing things. And I think they need a voice. They need to be heard. Um, you know, everybody's heard the celebrity stories, but they haven't heard the the mums at home or the the people with smaller blogs or you know, people that have amazing things to share as well. So I think the podcast is just such a great place to do that. And it's, it's just awesome meeting people like you, Lucy. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Likewise, likewise, Joe. Thank you. So thank, thank you, you so much for being on the See show you. today. Yeah. Thank you again. And, a pleasure. Okay. And everybody, um, if you didn't hear the first episode with Lucy, um, that's uh, part one on sleep nutrition and um so make sure you listen into that one and of course give us a five star rating <laughs> uh, yes only yeah. only five stars allowed only, well you know we would say 10 but they don't give, <laughs> they don't let you have that option but <laughs> twice do it twice <laughs> oh we have a lot of fun all right you guys have a great week and we'll see you on the next podcast bye, bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.